Hey, hey y'all. It's Kim, Nia, and Mary. And welcome to Millennial Vibes Podcast, where we discuss all things adulting. Because dating ain't fun. Bills ain't fun. None of it's fun. So grab your drink of choice and catch this vibe. Okay. Welcome to episode 28. Welcome back, everyone. Back like we never left. Yeah, this uh, episode actually wasn't our uh, intentional, this wasn't the intention to come back with this episode. Um, However, situations change when shit happens in life that is just so aggravating that you just can't understand why our people are dying. And so we felt that it was important to discuss today's topic on social injustice. Yeah. Even in a fucking pandemic. Yep. 110%. Um, I apologize to y'all from now. I'm going to be cursing a lot because I'm just very angry. Um, At the time of recording, it's, uh, I think, two days after the unfortunate passing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He passed away on May 25th, and he was 46 years old. Hmm. At the top of the year, we have Ahmaud Arbery in Brunswick, Georgia. He passed away on February 23rd, 2020, and he was 25 years old. Hmm. On March 13th, Breonna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky, passed away at the young age of 26 years old. And finally, we have Sean Reed in Indianapolis, Indiana, who passed away May 6th, 2020, and he was 21 years old. All of these individuals were either a product of police brutality or just some form of radical citizen's arrest. Yeah. And it is very upsetting, but it's also tiring to have to talk about this to have to feel this in our community to, to also just have to to even have to discuss this as an episode it's just it's 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 sad it's disgusting it's unfortunate but as black women who have black men in our lives it would be wrong for us to not discuss what's happening completely so this can is- i can can we just address these as murders can we call them murders oh i mean they they're for what for what they were they're definitely murders they were definitely murdered Try not to get so angry at the beginning of the episode. Listen, because I'm there. <laughs> no, because I'm... <laughs> I literally just had to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Take a I deep literally breath, had to. Um, take a deep breath. So, um, yeah. Again, not an easy episode, but let's let's jump into it. Alright, so... What was your first interaction with police brutality? Um, for me, it was, I don't, I don't know if you call this late, 
but my first one that I actually remember is Sean Bell. Like that was my first case where I feel like the veil was lifted off of my eyes in a sense, um, where I realized that it was a possibility. Um, and that hit me to my core. You know, the morning of his, I believe it was his, the morning of his wedding, right? I think it was the morning of his wedding. And that was like in 2006? Yep. And I, I, just, I just remember looking at my dad and just like, why? And him, he actually shed a tear for that. He was just like, this, it doesn't need to happen. This is just the world that we live in. And I think coming from, um, if you don't remember, I was raised in Barbados. So coming from Barbados in 2002 and just, you know, living my life, I think I had a certain view of the world. So that was my first, like, realization that there was a flaw to our our country, to what was supposed to be a safe place where I could be with my family, and realizing that there was a big difference between our skin tones, you know, and how people treat us. That was my first, not even aha, it was just like a, oh shoot, moment for me. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, I think all three of us, we grew up in, yes, you grew up in Barbados, but we're all from New York. Yeah. So yes. Sean Bell definitely was like my first interaction without it being a historical thing does that make sense yes i think Um, that explains it really well like knowing about police brutality in the 60s um and of course prior to that with jim with before jim crow just segregation slavery all of that i was aware of these things Mm -hmm. but um it didn't really for me it wasn't something that i thought that i'd have to deal with um until the sean bell case yeah um and that was when I like I remember watching I remember when it broke when the news broke and my mom she's like an avid my mom and my dad are avid news watchers so they were watching it and I was I was um maybe 13 at the time I think because this is 2006 yeah Kenneth was just born so yes Kenneth is my little brother by the way um and it was just weird It, it was like I couldn't understand what the reasoning behind shooting him yeah. was. Like, because they kept reiterating that it was his bachelor party, yeah. that it was the day before his wedding. Yep. So it was just like none of that made sense that he was killed because it, 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 this is an event. This is him with his friends. Yeah. So why would that be a thing like why would police decide that that's that's what they needed to do to shoot an unarmed black man with his friends who probably more than likely were all black yeah hanging out because their boy was about to become a married man and no longer be a bachelor i don't understand where in that that could happen and i remember just sitting there i didn't vocally say anything to my parents but i just i remember like sitting there and just going this doesn't make any sense Hmm. And that's all I kept saying. It's just like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I definitely understand that moment of confusion, especially when I sat there and realized I could be wrong, but they shot more than 50 yeah, rounds a, into the, I think it was a car. Yeah. Wasn't it? It wasn't like they were out doing anything. Yeah. More than 50 rounds. For I think it was 
what three or four guys yeah more than 50 rounds like what justifies that right like you shot them like they were animals yeah what about you uh, what about you um, Mary? yeah so this was the first time that i remember being afraid to be black and the reason why is because I remember turning on the news and I was always an ABC7 kid. ABC7 News, that was my thing. I remember turning on the news and it was just everywhere. Man yeah. dies day before his wedding, you know? But it was a newspaper heading that really got me and I had to, I just had to Google it just to make sure that this was the correct one. But the newspaper um, heading that really got me is from The Guardian. It was dated November 26 of 2006 and it says, New York on edge as police kill unarmed man in hail of 50 bullets on his wedding day. Wow. They sure, know how, to write, um, they sure know how to write headlines. I just, but it was the truth. Yeah, I know. I'm just, Completely. It's, it's just like, wow. It, it was, it was the complete truth. And I remember seeing that and just being completely, completely terrified. And I'm like, what does this mean? Yeah. I had no idea what it meant. What does this mean? Do do we not go outside? How, like, what, how is this okay? How was this allowed to happen? 50 bullets? That seems excessive seems. for people who were unarmed. Hmm. One bullet is excessive for someone who was unarmed. So 49 more? I, I couldn't understand it. And to be honest, I didn't understand it for years to come. Um, but looking back on it now, if social media had been like a bigger thing back then, I wonder how things would have played out differently in that case. But that is the case that brought police brutality to the forefront of my brain. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, cause I want to, I want to, I want to be optimistic in saying that, you know, uh, black Twitter would probably, black Twitter would probably come and, uh, basically shuts, to be honest, just shut shit down. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, social media was still a thing back when Trayvon Martin was shot um, and a bunch of other names that God knows I just don't want to go through. It, social media is a thing in that in those cases and a majority of those cases still ended were um, they were charged with not with not they weren't charged essentially it was they were found not guilty. So I don't know. I don't, I don't see, I, I would love to believe that in some cases I do see that social media does get Karens fired because, you know, so shout uh, out to the recent Karen. Yeah. Central Park Karen found herself unemployed. Hmm. Talking about we ruined her life. Right. Um, but I don't know. Don't even get me started on that. Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> Mercy. You, I just gotta, I just gotta say this real quick. I'm okay. sorry. 
you literally put on theatrics on your 911 call and you want to talk about how we ruined your life Bruh. she was well you know, okay with ruining that. that man's life not only that she she was fully aware of what she was doing completely oh, yeah. says i'm going to call the cops and i'm going to tell them that you threatened my life ma'am what no but not even just that she specifically said i'm going to tell the cops that an African-American man is threatening my life. And my girl put all of it together and looked at him at the camera as she fake quivered she, like she was afraid for her life. She weaponized his race literally on purpose. There's no reading into that. She weaponized it. And if it was any, if it, we are like, like god forbid it happened any other way we would have had another name completely in one weekend to add to the list completely we would have it is and it, she has the nerve to talk about we ruined her life man if you don't you lucky it wasn't my you, brother my my brother my nephew my uncle you're lucky he didn't belong to me because if he belonged to me i'm going off i'm this this wouldn't even have been enough her being fired would not have been enough. It would I would press charges. This would not even just be civil. This would be criminal. I you 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 essentially like I just this is not okay. It's just not okay. I I don't even know what to say. It's like my rules is getting me angry. Okay. In in not in light, but with with this pandemic, we've been seeing a lot of people, specifically white people protesting um something that's set in place to protect us which is shelter in place and they've been able to protest with guns Hmm. so bringing it into the pandemic what are y'all thinking like what do y'all think about this idea of protesting shelter in place versus when we're protesting police brutality what whether it's taking a knee whether it's coming together what what are your thoughts listen okay so when we are protesting police brutality we're met with SWAT people in you know right armed fully fully armed with riot gear from top to bottom, from their boots to their helmets, fully armed riot gear, and they got the shields to match, right? And in those instances, we are unarmed. Because I don't, we are unarmed in those instances. These are what we consider peaceful protests, but you feel threatened just by the sheer mass of us gathering together. Flip that now to the shelter-in-place protest where you legitimately have Caucasian people who are armed with not just these little, you know, these little hip guns. I'm talking full-on assault rifles. Literally. I don't see any riot gear. I don't see any shields. I don't see any helmets. Matter of fact, the only thing I see them doing is basically standing in formation and letting these, I'ma say it, terrorists shout in their faces. Yeah. And in one instance, I even saw spit in a cop's face. Yeah. What did the cop do? Jack yeah. shit. That's what happened. 
So I'm just trying to figure out where that same energy level is at. Because I don't see it. I don't see it. If, if they, when we have our peaceful protest, if they were supposed to see anything that even remotely looks like a weapon, even remotely looks like a weapon, it's on like Donkey Kong. Yep, literally. Or somebody could spit in your face and wave an assault rifle in your face over something that was put in place to keep us protected. It's okay. Right. Nah, I'm missing with that bullshit. What do you think, Neo? I a thousand percent agree. It's, I don't know what it is, but our skin makes them scared and they, they make it feel like our skin is a weapon. Like we didn't choose to have this, but every time it comes to that, um, that, 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 that protest in general, our protests are always more violent on their side towards us but yet others can be in their face like mary says spit on them even low-key attack them but they deal with them completely different more delicate than us and i don't understand what makes that okay because at the end of the day our protests have so much meaning behind it we have so many reasons for this, but they turn around, they're protesting, opening up a barbershop. They, they want to have a, a haircut. My guy. Seriously. It's not going to kill you. But a pandemic will. Literally, a pandemic would, but they're so willing and ready to protest this. But yet, when we're complaining about police, you know, not- Killing us. Yeah, not valuing our lives. It's it's like oh the black people are angry again they're rioting but they're they are a peaceful protest they're allowed to do certain things that we can't and it's it's heartbreaking it's completely it's, heartbreaking it's also sickening and you know like to to put it in perspective the people that we're talking about right now are the Kurtz and Karens out there that are protesting having to wear a mask and stay in the house. Right. For the safety, for the greater safety for, of all of us. Yeah. That, that's who we're specifically targeting on this question right now. The, the, the militant Kurtz and Karens out there that don't give a shit about no one else's life and want to get out the house to go do bullshit and dumb shit. Hmm. Yeah. Um... Obviously, I agree with both of you, so there's really no need to say much beyond the fact that it's just literally we are our, our, our race automatically denotes us as weapons. And when the others have their actual weapons of mass destruction over the fact that they can't get a haircut. Right. I didn't see one person throw one beat piece of tear gas. I didn't see one police officer feel like their space was violated. So then they had to react out of self-defense. Cause that's what we're always told right. that the reason that they kill our people is because they're resisting and, the, and, and for self-defense. Cause yeah. what are they going to do? They're nervous. They're scared. We have to be understanding about that. It's ridiculous. It's a double-edged sword. And I'm just over it. 
in a, like in a real way i'm just over it completely so i just i don't know the like personally my my automatic response is fuck y'all shelter in place protests <laughs> on god like i don't care fuck y'all shelter in place protests it's stupid it's ridiculous it's insensitive to the amount of people that we collectively the three of us have lost Literally. to covid19 and we live in atlanta and we lost people in new york could you imagine where it's the epicenter so fuck y'all for that shit 110 percent and we're keeping all the energy all of that yep yep <laughs> like it is actually disgusting it's like me sitting here and thinking about it i don't know if you guys um remember i had posted something on instagram and it was it was a karen um it was a karen that was you know protesting shelter in place and she was holding up a sign that said muzzles are for dogs and slaves i'm a free human being and then she had a picture of a slave in a muzzle with a chain around his neck my gosh I just want to read that again. Muzzles are for dogs and slaves. I am a free human being. It's a valid point. It's a valid point. Perspective. Like, she felt comfortable enough in protesting something that she clearly so desperate, clearly so strongly believes in that she should not be in the house with um she should not be in the house she should be allowed to go wherever she pleases without a mask but yet ironically the guy standing behind her protesting the same thing is wearing a mask i'm confused what was me you know that's absolutely crazy (laughs) none of this makes sense absolutely crazy none of it all right ladies pulling everything that we have just discovered sorry discussed Mm -hmm. wrong word and all the feelings and just everything surrounding this topic. How then do we turn around and address the men in our lives? What, what can we possibly say to them? Whether it be our sons, our brothers, whether younger or older uncles, how then do we address them? So, um, it's interesting. I remember like, uh, I remember growing up, it was obviously as as women, as girls, we knew that this conversation had to be had with like our friends. Uh, if you had a brother, your brother. Like yeah. this was a conversation that black mothers and black fathers have to have with their kids um, or with their stepkids, whatever the variation is. And I knew it, but I think um, uh, every time I heard that this was a discussion that they had, it was almost removed from me. Because, I mean, my brother, I had my, my younger brother. Um, I didn't have him. But I was he, just about he, to say that. He came around uh, <laughs> in 2006. So um, at the time, it was just like, well, that's a conversation that my parents will have. And if I ever have a son, it'll be a conversation that I have with my son. And yeah. Onward. Um. It's with all of these recent, I'm going to call them attacks and deaths, um, murders, that I realized, you know, my father's no longer here. So I have a younger brother that I have to sit down and explain to him 
how he responds, how to respond, and what they might see when they look at him. Wow. My younger brother is autistic. He's a functioning autistic kid, but he doesn't react to certain situations very well. Hmm. And so that's another added layer um, for me. And then not just my younger brother, but, you know, Mary, your son matters to me. He's my godchild. I have friends that have kids that I know, like, either I'll be a part of the conversation. I don't think I'd have to generate the conversation, but I'd be a part of the conversation. Yeah. And it's really frightening for me because I, like, my... I just see my brother reacting in a way that is just conducive to his him and that being the trigger for somebody to do something to him. And it's just, there's no way that I think I can comfortably address this with him. Yeah. So I think that's just my, that's my fear. I don't know how I'm going to address police brutality with an autistic kid who is from an inner city where unfortunately black boys that look and talk like him also have to deal with this right it's just i don't know i it's just too much it's a lot and it's frightening and it's scary and it's sad and disheartening and a bunch of other words that i can throw in there (laughs) um and i just i just i don't want to have the conversation but i know i have to i hear you what about you mary um clearly i was over here tearing up (laughs) having a whole moment like while kim was talking because part of my reasoning my reasoning for moving down to georgia was for ezra to start school not in the city for him not to be exposed at such a young age to the fact that he is different. Hmm. Because I feel like, I feel like that's what happened to me. I knew I was different from a very young age. I knew the neighborhood I grew up in was different from a very young age. And I did not want him, I wanted to shelter him for as long as I could. Um, As Kim mentioned, my son is on the spectrum and he is five years old. He is just now starting to see color. Mm. I see it before my eyes. And it's in his own little cute, adorable way, he sees color. He thinks that I'm brown. And, and he's that he's peach. peach. Oh. And he's the color peach. And, oh. and I say to him, and I say to him, I was like, okay, so is your best friend so-and-so peach as well? He goes, no, he has white skin. So he already sees the difference between him, who he believes is Peach, I gotta address that, (laughs) who he sees as Peach, and his friend, who he sees as white, and his mother, who he sees as brown. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely terrifies me because I want to shelter my baby for as long as I can and allow him to be a child. Yeah, yeah. But also knowing that his skin color is considered a weapon. 
here. My soul. Ooh, She's trying to get everybody. Mm. And I promise I tried so hard not to cry on this. But my sweet, innocent child, who's done nothing to no one. Right. It's considered a threat. Yeah. Mm. And it makes me angry. It makes me angry when I see and hear about George Floyd, Sean Reed, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Aubrey because their lives were cut short for nothing for no valid reason no. and I have to explain that to my child yeah. who ironically one of, the, one of the many things on his list of things that he wants to be when he grow up is a police officer ironically mm-hmm. mm. how do I have that conversation how do I explain to him that sometimes it's best not to to speak back. Yeah. How do I explain how how do I help him to understand who he can ask for help and who he can't ask for help? Right. Because police are supposed to help. help exactly. You. That's what they tell it, us. That's what they tell us growing up that police officers are there to help us. I can't ever think of a time where I've ever sought out a police officer for help. Hmm. I can't think of not one time where I willingly was like, police officer, can you help me? Yeah. Never. I fear getting pulled over. I fear being in the wrong place at the wrong time being in this pandemic i even fear wearing my mask in the grocery store girl yep because do i look like a threat listen did I blink too hard did i linger in an aisle too long wow i need to say this on record because i mean it from the bottom of my soul god forbid something should ever happen to anyone in my life of color, I will physically rip someone's face off with my bare hands. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Hmm. Again, I am so sorry. I did not mean to cry yeah. or get that emotional, but. No, I mean, it's needed. I think to a certain degree, like, our, we know the pain, but. I don't think other people realize how painful this actually is. What about you, Nia? Um, for me, I don't have, I don't have a lot of younger men in my life that I can actually have this conversation with yeah or younger boys because in your case and Mary's you guys have well you have a younger sibling Mary of course has her son Mm -hmm. so it's for me I can only think of 
my brother and he's older um and just like future any future that i might have you know mm-hmm. any any son or anything um for my brother it's a conversation that we've had um unfortunately things have happened so it's 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 a weird situation when it comes to my brother um for any future child that male child I might have it's something that I'm pretty terrified of addressing because I to a certain degree I I would wish that we lived in a world where this wasn't needed but it scares me that it is cuz my future child could be walking down the road you know with his hoodie on mm-hmm. eating some skittles and anything can happen it's a scary situation i think for one i can to think of it in the future i think honesty would be the best policy and just being direct and not sugarcoating anything because it is something that we now have to I mean, it's always been something that people have catered their their parent parenting towards. You know, mm-hmm. everyone has encountered that where they got the talk from their parents. Yeah. But to think that I would possibly still have to do this whenever I have a boy child, if ever, it scares me. It freaks me out. And it honestly breaks my heart. It, it really does. Yeah, it's... Um... It's almost as if we have to to beg to to beg people to see us as people. Literally. And that's just not like it was it was really hard going after Mary because I literally feel everything for her. And you as well it's just thinking of any younger generation that we have to carry this on towards it's it's not something that you know what I don't know I might get stones for this but I don't think it's anything that any other race could deal with I think it's not it's something that a strength that has been ingrained in us that we have to deal with it's not and to be honest I feel like it's that strength that that really makes them frightened of us I think so it's that it's that strength and it's that willingness to to live that makes them afraid and and that's as as terrible as that sounds it's the truth yeah it is the absolute truth um, you know the question arises sometimes is it always about race yes, yes. it yes, is. is that's the thing it is yes, when absolutely. your when your race when your ethnicity when your culture when all of that is the forefront and is the thing that makes you a weapon to people then talk to me and it like literally all I'm thinking about is everything in my lifetime that I've had to experience which is nothing compared to what our people had to deal with here in the United States and and in our Caribbean cultures and countries it's this shit of like just because we're black we're automatically 
lesser than right or, or we're a weapon or we're this or we're that you know how, like upsetting that is that like literally in, in in just the simplest things of going outside to go to the grocery store i had to cover my face and at the time me and i didn't have masks so we were using scarves yeah and i wear big sunglasses to every time we went to the grocery store i'm like somebody's gonna say something to me somebody's gonna feel something because i'm a tall big ass staring black woman with a whole scarf over my head Uh, i had a scarf over my head because i was protecting my hair and i had a scarf over my face with sunglasses over my my eyes yeah and I'm a big old tall old girl who could who could throw down if she has to. So somebody's gonna say something to me. Somebody's gonna have a problem with me because I look like a weapon now. If I didn't look like a weapon before, I looked like one now. Yeah. And I would just be like, Kim, just go and do what you're supposed to do. Pick up pick up your food. Make sure you 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 find Nia in in an aisle if you leave her, and make sure you y'all are together just in case. Right. It's really, it's really disgusting. It's, it's, that's just what it is. It's disgusting. And I feel like every single time we see these headlines, the reason why we get so angry is because we see these people in our families. We see these people in our friend groups. So it's an automatic, we don't have to know this person to feel what their family is going through. Right. Because that fear and those feelings, they are already in us. Yeah. And like Mia said, there is no other race in this world that has to deal with that on the same level that we do. Right. I just... (laughs) I don't even. Okay. Um, this has clearly been an episode. Maybe, <laughs> Sorry. I, I personally feel like the most emotional episode that we've ever had. Um, and I've, we've had a, a couple of emotional episodes. Yeah. Um, but. And honestly, again, this was not the way we planned on coming back, but it's the way that we needed to come back. Right. Yeah. It needed to be addressed. So we're back. (sighs) We're back. Better than ever. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk with you next time. Bye. Hey y'all, it's Kim. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also stream our show on Spotify and Google Podcasts, as well as other platforms listed on our website, which you can find in our bio on our IG page at Millennial Vibes Podcast. Stay tuned.